We're going to look at Titus chapter number 1. But often that grace that was used in our life to bring us to saving knowledge of Jesus uh, was given to us and demonstrated to us uh, through our mothers and through godly women in our lives. And um, on this day, on Mother's Day, I have no shame or hesitation to spend the topic of the day speaking about the role of godly women and godly mothers inside of the life um, of our church. I'm a little bit sentimental, having been raised primarily by a single mom who is such a great example for me. Stephanie hears me saying I'm a mama's boy. That's what she heard me just say. And um, unashamedly, uh, I am, and I'm grateful. And uh, But so important to the life of our church. So we, we look at a passage today. We step out of our series in Luke, and we don't do that unless there's good occasion. And this is a good occasion. Next week, we'll continue on beholding the cross. But today, I really want to be an encouragement uh, to you ladies here in this room. And likewise, being the Word of God should also be an encouragement to us uh, men as we look at it. So before we look at Titus 2, I want to read the verses at one, starting verse number 10 of chapter number 1. Not only is it context for the passage, but it gives you context in which the ministry is going to take place. It gives you a cultural background of where these godly or aged women are, the older women teaching the younger. And also on Father's Day, Lord willing, we'll look at verses 2 and 6 as the same challenge is being given uh, to men. And so as we look at this today, we look at the lives in a way, the uh, godly women, they, we see the value of God's word being lived out. Would you join me in Titus chapter number 1, verse number 10? I'm going to read through chapter 2, verse 5. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Cretans, they're always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. The witness is true, wherefore rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed the Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Unto the pure all things are pure, but to them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient unto every good work reprobate. And what is the response to the time that they're living in? Titus receives a letter. In order, it's First Timothy, Titus, then Second Timothy. Titus is given a tougher assignment, I believe, than Timothy. He's here on this island of Crete. And we hear in the description of the environment in which he is at. And he has the job of teaching the doctrine and then discipleship. Well, another way the Bible says is presenting every man perfect, the sanctifying work that we are to teach all things. And so here he is, kind of the background of where he's doing ministry. And what is the game plan for him to take the sound doctrine of the Bible and to see it spread out among the people and all the families? Verse 1, but speak thou things which become sound doctrine. That's your content. That's your subject matter. That's what should always remain at the center of our teaching. Verse 2, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and patience. The aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given them much wine, teachers of good things. That's our title this morning, Teachers of Good Things. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, Good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. 
So here, Titus, there's some concerns that are written as Paul would send this letter to this young pastor and the community that he's ministering in. How are believers supposed to think and act in such a difficult time? How are we to be worshipful people in a woke society? How are we to be people that are filled with truth in a world that is fighting against truth? How can we keep from being deceived by false doctrine and teachers? How can we pass our faith on to the next generation rather than seeing it become extinct? How can the church, how can the church not just survive but thrive in a world that is hostile to our faith? How can we effectively fulfill our mission to reach a corrupt world with the beauty of Christ's gospel? These are good questions at any time. They're good questions for the day in which we live. And in here, ladies, I would like for you to see them. That part of the answer to that has to do with the life in which you would live. That our understanding of God's word will be greatly shaped by how the mothers in our lives live out their faith. It's a wonderful, it's a sacred calling. I'm grateful uh, for the ladies in my life and the ladies in the church. The women in our lives take the responsibility of making things look pretty, right? Most of us don't care. Most men, we often don't care as much as the ladies would. This place, this building would look very differently if it wasn't for the ladies setting up things in the foyer or the decorating things. If you leave me and Pastor Bo, it would look quite plain and quite simple, very minimal, all right? That's all we would have, all right? That's all we would want. Miss Wendy knows this about us, all right? We like things boring and simple, but they bring things to it in, in our lives. They would look different. We would look different, all right? Some of you would never match, all right? Some of you would never uh, be put together, and we're grateful uh, for it. My mom, it was always on, um, she always on Easter wanted me to have a new suit. We'd go to Sears, and I had purple suits and green suits and every color you could think of because she was planning. She wanted me to look right um, on Easter, and I'm grateful for it. After the service today, there's a photo booth, and some of you will take a picture. And uh, you men think one picture will do the job, but the moms will say, no, let's just get one more. Let's just get one more. Let me see that picture. They work at making things beautiful and pretty, and I'm grateful for it. And I thank you for your job in doing that. And that um, but m- most importantly, the world is blessed by your obedience and desire to uh, that As a Christian woman, you have a higher and sacred calling, and that's stated in verse number five, that the word of God be not blasphemed. The way in which you would live your life speaks to the value of God's word. It speaks to the ability to teach you how to navigate in a difficult world. That is the beauty that should be seen. That should be the highest priority of all the things that you want to make sure look good. And unlike me, who my mom didn't have much to work with to make me look good, you're not creating beauty in God's Word, but you're just revealing the beauty of God's Word there and letting it be seen on display. But as just like we said in chapter number one, it's a challenge. It said that even their own prophets, their musicians, their newscasters, their poets of their day, everybody knew that the time that they lived in was a difficult time where those people, where there was evil and there was lying. The newscasters of the day knew it. If I could, I could turn on television today for you all, and we could turn it on a station, and you would hear, not just from me, but the world in which we live in, and he would speak about the time that we're living is troubled. 
But the problem would be if I was to turn something on, somebody would say, turn it to another channel. You can't trust that one. And another person would say, you can't trust that one either. And you would would argue over what isn't even factually true because we live in a time where there's a great battle over truth. We live in a time where there is a war of truth. And our children need help knowing how to navigate this world and to identify what is truth. And this takes an entire church to make that possible. This requires the involvement of aged women. It's Bible word here. I'm not calling anybody old today, okay? Of aged women teaching the younger and aged men teaching the younger men as well. And the first thing that we see in that, in this ministry that we're giving together as a church, in verse number one, it says, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Doctrine is not just for a select few of people in the church to argue over them. It's the teaching of God's word that should be shaping how we live. And so we say we don't settle for a wimpy theology that's beneath us. God is great. Christ is glorious. And so every one of us, from the youngest to the oldest, man and woman, want to know the truths of God's word because this doctrine matters. And that doctrine that's being taught, it's going to be lived out through the ladies inside of our church. Book that I read this week and studying for Titus 2 by Nancy DeMoss Workmuth. Not sure how to say her last name. I can say DeMoss. I'm going to stick with that one, okay? And uh, she, on Titus chapter number 2, she tells a story about how her husband was a carpenter, but he was afraid of heights. And that could be a problem, I would think, right? And uh, so he never liked to go up a ladder, but he did it. And so she said, how did you overcome the fear of climbing up a ladder? And he says, I haven't overcome the fear of climbing a ladder, but every time before I get on the ladder, I make sure that it's balanced and that it's on solid ground so that I know that it's safe to go all up it. And so the age women, likewise, in their behavior, it says, not false accusers given. Before we get to that living it out, we first look at the doctrine, what we believe, what is foundational. Paul addresses doctrine before laying out the specifics of our practice, and he does for a good reason. We make sure that the ladder is set before we climb up it. Before we talk about behavior, we talk about who, what we believe and what we know. See, Matt Malcolm has a shirt that says, Doctrine Matters. It's a great shirt. Matt, I really wanted to get one for every mother this morning, right? That would be quite unique, right? For Mother's Day, they all get T-shirts that says, Doctrine Matters. And it matters for all of us. And you have a difficult time. I get to teach up at Dawsonville, and that is a controlled environment where people know that they're walking into a room to study the Bible. That is the easiest place to teach the Bible. The moms, ladies, you're on the front line. You do it while driving the soccer practice. You do it while folding clothes. You do it while kids are fighting. You have the responsibility to teach God's word in a war zone. And I thank you for it. And it matters in your life. And so here, we, they, ladies, are called upon to do it in a reverent manner because you are people of influence. Age women, likewise, as their behavior becomes holiness. All of you in here are the older and the younger. The age women are those that are older than the others that have influence. A pastor in northern India named E.F. Brown was being interviewed and asked, what is the thing that is most needed among the churches of northern India? And his answer was this, more grandmothers. We need more grandmothers. I'm going to show here on the screen a definition for spiritual mothering. What we're speaking about when we say uh, spiritual uh, mothering is this. When a woman possessing faith and spiritual maturity enters into a nurturing relationship 
with a younger woman in order to encourage and equip her to live for God's glory. I'm going to say it one more time here for you. Spiritual mothering, when a woman possessing faith and spiritual maturity enters into a nurturing relationship with a younger woman in order to encourage and equip her to live for God's glory. That's what every lady in this church has been called upon. It is a privilege and a blessing to be involved in this. And that's what that man was speaking of, Pastor E.F. Brown. He was saying, we need more spiritual grandmothers. We need more spiritual mothering among us here. And in doing so, you live in a reverent manner. Verse 3, behavior as becometh holiness. Then he gives some application. Neither gossips or is a drunkard. Apparently, this was a common issue among the women of Crete. I don't know if they had a show like Housewives of Crete or on their social media post, women were bragging about how they didn't tolerate their kids and they were going to drink all day. I don't know why they knew it, but they knew that this was an area uh, that was there. And he said, this is a sacred duty that you have been given here. The age women, likewise, that their behavior as becometh holiness. Would you show this quote here by Barclay, not Charles Barclay, the basketball player, but the commentary, okay? Barclay says, charge, charge the old women to be in demeanor such as befits those who are engaged in sacred things. I love that so much. Engaged in sacred things. The work that you are doing is a sacred calling. And so live it with the demeanor that shows that what you're doing is a sacred and a holy calling as unto the Lord. As a wife serves her husband, the sacred duty is being carried out in devotion and intentionality out of reverence to God. If you're a mom tending to your children's needs, it's a sacred duty, daily offering to the Lord Lord, in those presents uh, that you serve. If you work outside the home, the performance of your responsibilities, however insignificant they may seem in the big picture, is a sacred duty carried out in plain view of the Lord as an act of worship. If you're a student, applying yourself to your coursework is a sacred duty as it is your participation in class, your commitment to integrity, and the sacrifices necessary to make the most of your training. If you're retired or unemployed, singled, widowed, childless, your daily tasks and relationships are your sacred duty to be carried out as a woman who lives and breathes and walks in God's presence. And so with these age women, these older women that we see in their life, from God's viewpoint and understand that even their daily and mundane routines of their life, and we watch the way that they walk through their day in order to see what is next to God's heart, what matters in life, what sets our priorities. Their lives revolve around the things that matter to Him. If you've been here today and you've had the opportunity to have a mother, a spiritual mother, a lady in your life live out God's word in front of you, you know the blessing that it is in front of you. So teach what is good. Verse 3, ladies, it says, not, it says teachers of good things. Proverbs 31, 26. Proverbs 31 is a common passage for Mother's Day. And on Proverbs 31, that woman there, that virtuous woman, it says that she opened her mouth with wisdom and in her tongue is the law of kindness. That when she spoke, there was wisdom. There was a kindness. My grandmother's name was Imogene. And um, I wanted one of my children to be an Imogene, but Stephanie didn't go with that one, okay? Imogene, but we called her Mama Jean. 
And in college, I would call her and speak to her about everything. There wasn't anything that was off limits that I would talk to Mama G because she was a person who had wisdom. And where she didn't have wisdom to offer me, she always had kindness to offer me. I'll be praying for you or I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of you or whatever it was. When she opened her mouth, it was always going to be seasoned with grace and it was always going to be wisdom that is there for us. Words that would build up. Words that would build up other people. We have choices in how we will use our voice. And as believers, we are told to be discreet. That's one of the words that is in this verse here. Discreet means careful and circumspect in one's speech or actions. And that's contrasted with those that are false accusers. That you would speak truth and you would build up. Because slander hurts. It reveals the contaminants in our hearts. It shows a pride or a desire to make ourselves look better, smarter, more together, superior. It shows envy, resenting another's position, connection, success. It shows a critical spirit, a tendency to be judgmental, to jump to conclusions, to secretly hope others fail. Those are all the things that would be accuser. That would be the opposite of what God has called us to called on us to use our, our voice for. A voice of wisdom, a voice of kindness in our lives. And so here we are in a cultural battle, battle, and mothers are on the front line of it. God has a purpose for you in this season of life that is vital that no one else can fulfill. And also, equally, young women in here, as it tells the aged women or the older women to teach, it's also calling on you to learn. The passage raises important questions to you on who are you learning from? Who are your teachers? Are they mostly your peers? You would do well to stop listening to TikTok and listen to the TikTok of a rocking chair on a front porch of an aged woman or an older woman telling you how to navigate the life that we're living in. It isn't just enough to be an expert on all the culture. Titus chapter number 1, verse 10 to the end of the chapter, just draw a picture. But that isn't the mission in life. The mission is to live in a way that honors and glorifies God. And this is not a burden, but it's an incredible joy that when you ought to be teachers, you have need for someone to teach you the first principles of the oracles of God, it says in Hebrews. Knowing those first principles, those oracles of God, those basic truths, puts you in a position that you can teach. And so this shouldn't weigh us down, but it's something that ought to be life-giving and exciting. He's offering the incredible privilege and joy of engaging with him and molding lives into the likeness of Jesus, adorned by sound doctrine and ultimately making the gospel beautiful in the eyes of all those around. There's two clauses there. There's two things that are given that I don't want to jump over today. As they were relevant in that day, they're relevant in every age as God's word. One of it says, not given to much wine, slave to much wine. It represents a mindset of overindulgence that leads invariably to bondage. It also expresses a desire for escape. Is your life temperate, fruitful, productive, and bounded by godly ways of thinking? Are we just taking ease, indulging ourselves, mindlessly doing whatever brings us pleasure or numbs our pain? I believe there's a lot of application here for us. You may say, well, that one's the easy one for me. I don't struggle with that. But in the same manner, there's a question of application in regards to entertainment and social media in our lives. Young women need an example in how to be self-controlled and not given to those things in life. Just like one person may want to escape everything by going to a bottle and finding drunkenness, there's many other ways to numb yourself. There's many ways to escape the responsibilities of life. 
And the aged women need to show the younger women how to properly handle these things so that they're not used as a mean of escaping all the responsibilities. The best thing to do to look at a responsibility is not to escape it, but to embrace it as God-given and love it and say thank you for it. And that's a godly advice from one mother to a son in Proverbs 31, verse 5. It says, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any afflicted, knowing how strong drink can dull the senses, slow the mind, and cloud good judgment. This mother here warns a young prince about anything that could render him ineffective or cause him to become an oppressive and sensitive leader. And she says to him in verse number 4 of Proverbs 31, he says, it is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine for the princess for the princess strong drink. It says it's not fitting to a king because you need to have your senses. You need to be sensitive. You don't need to be an oppressive leader, and this could lead you astray. It's not for kings, it's not for queens, it's not for mothers. Those of us who want to be mindful and aware of what's going on, our responsibilities are too great to be escaping it in Social media, our responsibilities are too great to be escaping it through strong drink. We have a responsibility, and we need to show up, and we need to be present and not hide from it. So not given much rhyme, not given here an example to the next generation that is there. Be discreet, verse 5, chase keepers at home, good and obedient to their own husband, that the word of God be not blasphemed. There is no place like home. Equality and spiritual standing before God as brothers and sisters does not negate God's creation ordinance concerning the role of husband and wife inside of the family. We are brothers and sisters and fellow heirs and wonderful, but by neglecting the God-given priority of her marriage and home, a woman becomes vulnerable to temptations of dishonoring the Lord. In Proverbs seven eleven it says it like this, uh, she is loud and stubborn. Her feet abide not in her house. That's not the woman that we're speaking about today. That's the woman not represented here today. But the expression is a person who just doesn't have any, sees any value um, in her home. Her feet are always going away from it. And so it says here, keepers of home, that example that is going to be set. Love this quote by Janie Ortland. She says, our homes, imperfect as they are, should be a reflection of our eternal home where troubled souls find peace, weary hearts find rest, hungry bodies find refreshment, lonely pilgrims find communion, and wounded spirits find compassion. What a wonderful place is a home that has a godly mother inside of it. And in chapter 1 of Titus, it showed that the false teaching that was going to come is in a culture that was corrupt, and where there's a corrupt, corrupt, corrupt culture, there's going to be people that are false teachers, and the place that they're going to direct their teaching, first and foremost, is always going to be at the place that is going to have the greatest influence, which is in our homes. And so it said in verse number 11, it says, "...whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses." All lies hurt people, but lies towards the family will hurt the most. And no matter the circumstances or season of life, the home still matters to the godly mother. I'm unsure of the nature of the false teaching that was hurting the homes here in Crete, but a common lie of the day is this, that the work that a mother will do at home is of no real value. That is a common lie that false teachers will give 
And so here we're not talking about the way in which it's lived out, but we're just talking about the priority that we are to give to our home as mothers will lead and be keepers in training their children and helping uh, be an example of God's Word. In an old newspaper here, I love this, it talks about the gigantic function of a mother in life. And it says, babies need not be taught a trade, but to be introduced to a world. To put the matter shortly, women in generally shut up in a house with a human being at a time when he asks all the questions that there are and some there aren't. It says that mothers are at home with children or they're raising children at a time where they seem to have all the questions of the world that make sense and all the questions that don't. You think about that. Little kids at an early age ask tons of questions. And then they become teenagers and they have all the answers, right? And so at that important age where they're just being sponges and they're learning is such an important time and their development. And how can it be broad to be the same thing to everyone and narrow to be everything to someone? No, a woman's function is laborious, but because it's gigantic, not because it's minute. minute. I will pity my mother for the hugeness of her task. I will never pity her for its smallness. Keepers of home, the role that you have inside of our home is very important. It means it's a priority. doesn't mean that we never leave home. doesn't mean you don't have other responsibilities. doesn't mean you don't know other things. We're not speaking about being locked in a, a house all your life, but we're talking about the priority in your life of the home and the training of children and the home that you would have there. And it's not small, but it is huge. And so you ought to make much of God's word. Verse 5, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Remember I said that ladies make things more beautiful. Well, living out the word of God should make it more beautiful in those that are watching it, seeing it, seeing the self-control, the way that the word of God would give you wisdom, the way that it would create a kindness. I close today with an example I'm thankful in here there's many wonderful examples that I could give of people living out the Word of God in front of us today and seeing it and being on display. But I look to the story of Tabitha in Acts chapter number 9. You also know that her other name was Dorcas. I imagine she went by Tabitha, all right? And so Tabitha was also named Dorcas in Acts chapter number 9, verse number 36. It speaks about her, and it says that she was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did in Acts 9.36. Here was a woman whose relationship with Christ moved her to pour out her life in a practical acts of kindness towards those in need. And she was such a great gift to this world. And you probably know how the story goes, that when she died, people mourned their loss. The community felt the loss. She was like, as it says in Titus 2.8, it says, having no evil thing to say of you, that her life was so that even those that were contrary to the word of God, even those who didn't have time for church, even those that didn't have time for the Bible, we just know that that lady loves us. We just know that that lady, what she says is truth. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Can you see why E.F. Brown says, what do the churches of northern India need the most? And the answer was grandmothers. Do you see why that would be a good answer today? What does our world need more than everything? It needs more spiritual mothers. It needs people to help teach us how to navigate this world in a way that would honor God, having no evil things said of them. Many of you can probably think of that type of person. Some of you are experiencing first Mother's Day, or maybe it's been many Mother's Day without your mom, and you say that she was that type of person. 
or maybe a spiritual mother in your life, somebody that you are missing. And just like with Tabitha and Dorcas, you just say, I don't know how we're going to make it without her. She was so meaningful. She was a teacher of good. She did good works. And she was so important to our community. She was so important to our family. Unlike the story we have in Acts, what we do have, though, is the things that your mother taught you, whether it was your mother by birth or just by they chose you, they brought you into their, their life there, that person has passed on a living book, the living word. The thing that made her wonderful and special, it's available for you today. The secret to success. Maybe they didn't give you the secret to all of their chocolate chip cookie recipes that melt in your mouth, all right, as Jennifer Dubois apparently has, but they gave you the secret to success to a wonderful life, and that is found in the word of God. It's the living it out so that nobody would look at it and would ever blaspheme and say the word of God is not. You can't say the word of God doesn't make a difference because you've never met my grandmother. You can't say the word of God doesn't make a difference in a person's life because my mom looks at it in the morning and it changes the way she lives. You can't say it because I live with a woman who has some crazy kids and if it wasn't for the Bible, they wouldn't be with us today, all right? Uh, It can cause restraint in our lives. The word of God molds our lives. And so we say thank you, God, for your word. And we say thank you to all you ladies that live it out in front of us. Thank you so very much. I'm certain that there's many joys found in motherhood, there's many special joys that are found in motherhood. But do you remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter number 27? And they were saying, blessed be your mother. She is so wonderful. She gets to be your mother because being a mother is great. And Jesus said in Luke chapter number 11, verse number 28, we're at some months ago, he says, but he said, yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. What is special about being a mother, it's a God-given role in a person's life. Every one of us have that opportunity. You have a God-given role in the lives of other people, and that's what's great. That's what's special here. The joy of being a mother, an aged woman, a young woman, a man or a young man is living according to God's design for our lives. Living a life that makes much of the Word of God is a sacred and high calling. Ladies, I call upon you today to recognize how wonderful that it is, this sacred calling that which you have been given, and that your behavior would be one that becometh holiness, and to not allow the culture or the false teaching of the day to say that it's anything less than absolutely wonderful and needful. And I'm grateful for the role that you have in our church there. So now we come to a time of response, and I call upon you to do so today. As my brothers and sisters, those that are believing people in here, there is a response. And those of you that have never put your faith and trust in here, maybe today God has softened your heart as you remember the truth of God's word and by whom you have have learned them. That's Bible language there where it says, don't forget, continue in the things that you know, and don't forget who taught them to you because the person that taught them to you lived them out. Maybe in here today you would say recognize you just say it like this, all right? My mama taught me better, all right? Maybe you're in here today and you're saying, my mama taught me better from God's word. And because she taught me better, I should do better today. And today, as a gift to our Lord, you're going to say, Father, I want to do what I was taught. I was given good example by somebody, and maybe I'm not living to what it is today. May the Holy Spirit make application to you um, as a believer that is there. <clears throat> maybe you're in here today. And you know that so much has been invested in you, and now you have the responsibility 
to teach it to other people, to find that opportunity. You can look on every corner and you can see this nation needs a mother. This nation needs somebody that will sit down with them and teach them what is right and what is wrong and how to live it out. They need an example. It is a trying time for our young people, the culture that we live in. They need godly wisdom, women, age wisdom to help them. Then I want to say this to you before I pray and the musician, as the musicians are coming, is I want to say, moms, thank you for holding us tightly in your arms, but we also need you to hold the Bible equally as tight. Because your job is so important, your understanding of doctrine is so important as well. Find opportunities to study it. I'm grateful here at a church that when our ladies have a Bible study, there's really a Bible involved, as often is the joke, that it's some book or some meeting they get together, but they really do study the Bible. Hold on to it tightly, because you love us, you hold us tightly. If you love us, hold God's Word equally as tight, as tight as you can, and know it and study it. And as a church, we desperately need the example that is provided through godly women. Would you pray with me? With heads bowed and eyes closed, and before I begin to pray, I thank you all for being here today. And I just want to give an opportunity for you. If you're a believer, now's the time to respond. You can come to an altar, which is a wonderful place to take a step out of your seat and say that I'm going to move forward in my decision. I want this to alter my life, the decisions I'm making. And so as believers, we often find ourselves at an altar making decision, either here at this altar, at your seat. First of all, thank God for the examples that you've been given in your life and determine, man or woman in here today, that you want to provide that to some other people. Young women in here, young men in here, would you make a decision in here? As the older one are given to teach, you are to be learning. Would you make a decision today that you would develop those mentoring type relationships with other people? And I pray that the Holy Spirit will take his word and make ready application to his people. As believers are praying, and before I will pray with us here, I ask you today, if you're in here today in the room or watching online, maybe you've understood the gospel from a godly person in your life, or maybe now it's a new relationship with somebody. They've brought you to this place. They share this link with you, and you've never made the decision that you wanted to follow Jesus with your life, that you recognize that he is the one that is worthy of our worship. Let me encourage you today to make that decision right there in your seat. Pray to him, acknowledging he is your Lord, acknowledging that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. And we'd love for you to share that with us today, if that's what God does with us. At the back, there's a next steps table. We'll give you more resources to help you grow or answer those questions that you may have about that. As we pray here in our seats, I ask you to take this moment to thank God for those he has put in your life as this example. I will close this with a word of prayer and we'll stand and sing together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for those that have been teachers of good. I pray for every woman in here today, Lord, that she will live out her calling in a reverential way, that she'll see what she is doing is sacred that she will not allow the voices of this culture to demean what she's doing, that she'll see that her job is not small, but it's gigantic, the role that she plays, not just in our home, but, Lord, inside of this church as being an example. Lord, may we be people that look to the doctrines of your word. 
that look to you, Lord, what you teach us. The simple teaching of your word will be our life's goal of sharing it with other people. Father, I pray for those in here today that maybe have not had that example given to them today and they're coming to a place where they're learning about you. I pray that they'll continue to look in your word and come to know you. They'll allow us the opportunity to share with them how wonderful that you are and how you have provided all that we would need to live a life that would be pleasing unto you, that you have forgiven us um, of our sins. Father, I thank you for the time in which we have had together. Pray that every woman in here today, Lord, would be encouraged to know that the Bible speaks very specifically and meaningfully to the life that they are to live. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.